the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Harbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. We made it through another week, and we're not in San Antonio. We're coming to you today from Plano, Texas, our Calvary Chapel, Texas, Oklahoma Pastors Conference. We're in the second day, uh, and we hope you'll call, have some questions, and otherwise we'll just kind of share our hearts with you. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is the word to stand on for life. If you have any question about anything at all, all you have to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-340. 9585. Once more, that's 340-9585. If you're outside the local area in San Antonio, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, it's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app and send them in to us that way. Uh, If you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the hands-free feature of the KSLR free mobile app. Uh, Hit call now. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Well, we're here, as I said a moment ago, in Plano, Texas. And today, although it's not the date day edition technically, Paula is live in studio with me again. So if anybody has any questions uh, for Paula, uh, all you have to do is call today. Any subject is... uh, Ready to go, just nothing is off limits. Whatever's on your heart or mind, you can call. Paula, welcome to a special edition of the program. Special just because you're here. Special extended version with the most beautiful, precious Paula. Whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but thank you. Yeah, it's fun. We're, we're having a great time. Um, eight of us from Calvary Chapel of San Antonio are over here um, in Plano. Um, being ministered to and um, also I think because they you know you and I have been uh, in the ministry for 24 years huh? Uh, or 100 or or, or 57 (laughs) whatever Um, and I think you know every time we show up it's like um, oh they're still making it oh they're still they're still hanging in there and so it gives a great encouragement to the others um, who've maybe been around just for four or five six years um, and so, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of fun when they they see us. Oh, hi, you guys! We love you so much. Thank you for um, remaining faithful. And uh, yeah, it's been fun. And to see the new people come up, where uh, at this conference, it's the things I wish I knew. And so, uh, a lot of the elder statesmen get to tell the younger ones, you know what they've been through, and that because the Lord is faithful, that they too will be brought through. So yeah. It's been fun. Let's t- we'll talk a little bit more about the conference in a moment. Let's mm-hmm. take a break and go to the phone lines. We've got Ruben from Seguin. Ruben, uh-huh. it's good to hear from you. Thank yes, you for calling. You are on the air. Hello. God bless you, Pastor Ron. Uh, Sister Paula, how are you doing this afternoon? We're doing great. You sound wonderful. Good to hear you. You know what? I just thank the Lord because it began with 
what what like rather let me put it this way what began as a as a, a mistake i think i told you how i came across y'all driving back mm-hmm. from houston what five six years ago mm-hmm. and then going through what i was going through then and still going through now you know and listening to what pastor told me and how he clarified things for me uh, you know and it took a while for me to finally say hey well you know what I think I'm going to go to their church, but I need to tell them wh- who I really am first. <laughs> so I did that. But, <laughs> but what I'm trying to say, though, is that I thank God because I am in such a, a better place that I no longer, at least I know I no longer am bound by legalism. When I have a question, I say, wait a minute, let me go to the Bible to this. And instead of calling somebody from the church, let me go to the Bible. Let me, let me see what the Bible tells me about about this certain situation. And then I'll ask God to, Lord, you know, what's up with this? You know what I mean? And then if I mm-hmm. have a question, I'll call you. <laughs> because you haven't let me wrong in what? I don't know how long has it been, four or five years, six years, seven? No, about five years. About five years, I guess. Mm-hmm. I've been calling, but the reason why I called is I wanted to see if you could uh, clear up two things for me. As I told you, I started reading the Bible. I began in the Old Testament, and then I'm in the New. Te- I mean, I began in the New Testament. Now I'm in the Old Testament. I just started the Book of Job today, which uh, first cha- the first two chapters kind of like shocked me. Like, oh my God, wow! <laughs> um, but what, what struck me the most, God said that. Um, Job was an, an upright man. That there was nothing wrong. There was nobody like him on earth. I was always taught that Satan was the one that brought Job up. The Bible doesn't say that God was the one that brought him up. And my question is, why did God bring him specifically up? And then it also says that when Satan came to God, it says the angels I believe, if I correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not in front of my Bible, but I believe it says the angels of the Lord and Satan, or does it just say angels and Satan came? And if that's what it says, why were these angels with Satan? Yeah. Remember, Ruben, those are questions that th- those are questions that people have been arguing about for for years. You know, we, we can't imagine why Satan would have access to the throne room of God, but he does. I guess it, it, it comes along with their estate, their 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 first estate um, in their creation, and God, in His infinite wisdom, for reasons we'll never be able to understand, uh, simply did not cut off access. If Satan rebelled against me, I would have I would have closed the door, locked it, thrown away the key. But but God, because Satan is still his servant, that's important. Though Satan is his enemy, um, uh, Satan is still his servant. That means God uses everything. That's a true demonstration of his sovereign power. Um, so so uh, there apparently is a time when the angels are called before the Lord and Satan happened to be with them. Now, the other question is really an important one because God didn't offer Job up as a, as a helpless sacrifice. Um, what God did was simply acknowledge what Satan had been doing. And basically he's saying, uh, and it's a militaristic term that, that, that he uses for inspection, but, but it's, it's, it's like... God is telling him, you've been checking out my servant Job, haven't you? Uh, I know what you're doing. And so when he says that, Reuben, Satan says, yeah, but you've got him surrounded. You've blessed him so much. And then he starts challenging. And again, for reasons that we can't possibly understand, uh, what, what we experience uh, um, from that point on in the story of Job is God removing his hand. Not completely. God is protecting him. But God removing his hand from Job and letting Satan have his way with him, uh, not able to kill him again, but 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 other than that, having his way with him. It's the only way, Reuben, that, that the enemy can ever have access to us, and that's with the express permission of God. So God was simply acknowledging that this is what Satan had been doing, and then he says, uh, you know, this wonderful statement, I have no other like him on the earth. Um, Job, yes. clearly the most righteous man on the planet at that time. And, um, and, and God somehow, for some reason, let Satan have access to him. And, of course, we get the book of Job. But for Job, it was probably the worst year we can, anybody can possibly imagine. Does that make sense to you? It does. It makes perfect sense to me. Yes. Yes. 
Thank, thank you for clearing that up for me. My pleasure, Ruben. It's always good to hear from you. Okay, God bless you. Y'all have fun out there. God bless you. We'll do it. Thanks very, very much. 340-9585 for whatever your live calls and questions. You know, I thought Ruben was going to go on with legalism. Um, legalism is the killer of the Christian fruit. It's the killer of a Christian church. And, uh, you know, God didn't save us to make us keep, keep a bunch of do's or don't do's. Uh, he saved us that we might enjoy the abundant, fruitful life that, uh, that he's always intended for us. Yep, I agree. And Ruben, you sounded, again, really, really good. Um, I'm sure that burden of uh, kind of hiding yourself and, uh, you know, living under an assumed name and um, had a lot to do with that, but also the joy of the Lord with you being in his word up close and personal. um, In his presence, his fullness of joy, and that's what you sound like. I I know that many um, from Calvary Chapel San Antonio and this radio audience have been praying for you, and so to hear you sounding so well is very encouraging. Thanks for calling. Let's go to uh, phones again, line two. We've got Jerry calling from San Antonio. Jerry, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hello, Pastor Ron Paula. Hi. Hi. Hi, Thank uh, you. Sounds like you guys are having fun out there. That's... uh, Awesome. <laughs> we pray for a safe return for San Antonio. Uh, Pastor Ron, my question is on, uh, can you explain a little bit more in detail Malachi, I guess, verse, uh, I mean, chapter 3, verse 8 to 10? Okay, I can do it. i got to pull up the verses real quickly, Jerry. Um, I don't have uh, I don't have my big my giant print Bible or my computer with me here, uh, but I will do it. Thank you for calling, Jerry. I'll get to the mm-hmm. verses. I'll read them and then we'll we'll go on. Malachi three eight through ten. Yeah. Can you read it, Paul? You got it. Mm-mm. I'm not there yet. Okay, we're getting we'll get it. There. Bear with us, guys. We're technically I challenging our way. Okay, can do it. That's that's, that's even that's better. better. Okay, this is a New King King James Version. It says, mm-hmm. Will a man rob God? That you have robbed me, but you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offering, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, and then there's uh, that there may be food in my house. And try me now this, says the Lord of hosts. I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for such blessings that there will be uh, not be room enough to receive it. Okay, thank you, Jerry. And I, 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 I figured that was the verses the verses you were going for, but I didn't want to assume and then look foolish by 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 um, quoting the wrong verse. <laughs> um, you know, we have to remember this. Now, now uh, here here's the problem with this verse from a New Testament perspective. Um, we, we know that there's a lot of pastors who use this verse to sort of shame or guilt people into giving. This is nothing to do with the New Testament Christian. This is uh, written to Jews who are under a covenant with God, Jews under law. They were required to give a tenth of, of uh, their, their possessions, and in most cases it was... Um, um, Agrarian, but but the idea here is that um, they owed God, and they they agreed in covenant relationship with God to give a tenth of of their their increase, and they hadn't been doing it, and that's it. And when he says, "Will a man rob God?" Um, um, the, the 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 answer is surely not. But you've robbed me. Uh, and then God asks a question that they were thinking, what do you mean? When did we ever rob you? And then God goes on to say, you know, you, you haven't kept your end of the deal. Uh, you haven't kept your end of the deal at all. You, you promised to give a, a tenth of your increase, and, and you haven't, doing it, haven't been doing it, and you think I'm not watching. Now, remember, this is a time, Malachi is the last book of our Old Testament, and this is a time when God is at a place where he's going to go silent now for 400 years. They've so broken the relationship with God. They've so uh, stopped seriously uh, uh, dealing with the law. And, and God is simply going to say enough of this. And what he's doing very simply is saying, um, you said you would do it. You didn't do it. And now this curse, it's going to be the curse of judgment, the curse of silence. Um, 
the whole people of Israel have been robbing me. And then he challenges them. And, and, and obviously, because we know what happened in the future, uh, Jerry, um, they didn't listen. They didn't pay attention. So God, his challenge is, look, just test me on this. Bring your tithes in the storehouse so that there'll be enough food for my people in the temple, for the Levites. And obviously some of that money went to the poor. And then he promises, if you do that, I will pour the blessing that you cannot contain. And and other than the character of God that's demonstrated here, that's the, the, the only application. It's, it's for people that are under the law. Now, practically, Jerry, for you and for me as New Testament believers, the principle still works. We can't outgive God. But these Jews were giving under compulsion where to give in contrast with a generous heart and a generous spirit. God loves a cheerful giver. The Greek word is literally a hilarious giver. And and so we're to give not under compulsion, not because somebody tells us we have to or because we feel guilty uh, if we don't. But we need to give willingly and eagerly and joyfully. And so that's the application for us. And whenever I hear a New Testament uh, preacher use this verse to tell people, well, you've got to tithe to the church because if you don't, God's going to curse you. But if you do, God will pour a blessing and, and you'll get more than you ever dreamed possible. The problem with giving under compulsion like this, Jerry, is always motive. It's always motive. And if you give to get something back from God, then there's no value to your giving. There's no reward for your giving. It's a benefit of giving even now. If you give to God, God will give to you. It shouldn't be a tenth for the New Testament Christian. We should give everything to the Lord. And whatever our increase is, whatever money we have, whatever talent we have, whatever time we have, we should say, Lord, it all belongs to you. What do you want me to do with it? And then he will direct our giving in all of those areas. And in this particular case, sadly, we take an Old Testament law and we try to make people feel guilty if they're not giving, um, when in fact all we should be teaching people is that everything that you have belongs to God. You give to God and God will bless you. We give to God not to get something from Him, but we give to God, Jerry, because God has given everything for us. So I hope that makes sense to you, Jerry. It is a, a really, really badly misused uh, portion of Scripture uh, in the New Testament church. Let's go to line three now and talk with Ray calling from San Antonio. Ray, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, guys. Hope you're having Hi, a good Ray. time and uh, have you. a safe trip back. And uh, this is a real quickie, but on the Job question earlier, and you mm-hmm. said, well, we'll never know. And I thought, well, is that really what you meant to say, that we'll never know in heaven next to Jesus? Uh, <laughs> you know, or will we know then, or did you mean more specifically here, which I understand, but I was puzzled by that, and I'll just hang up and listen. Thank you, Ray. Yeah, Ray, um, I, I misspoke. We, we'll never know this side of heaven, the answers to those questions. And, and yeah, I'm sure it's not going to work out like this, Paula, but I, I always think that, that that all these troubling passages of Scripture and the things that we didn't have answers for, that, that when we get to heaven, it's going to be like Jesus giving us a Bible study, mm-hmm. like he did to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And, and as... Jesus teaches it to us, our eyes are going to be open and our hearts are going to be thrilled. Uh, But no, we'll know everything in heaven. We know in part now, but we will know completely and fully when we're heaven. So all of these mysteries, Ray, are going to be answered for us. And we're going to go, wow, forgive me, Lord, for ever questioning you. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Job is the one passage of Scripture, the one book in Scripture, that probably people avoid the, the most yeah. because they, they just, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for I don't know how many years you avoided teaching Job. And part of that was because whenever you teach a book, you go through it. And I think you were <laughs> teaching Job when we had the heart issues beginning, right? Uh, I don't know if it was... <laughs> Same time, but <laughs> it just kind of seems like it. But yeah, those questions were Job is why this, why, 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 and, and God had to kind of sit Job down and say, "Where were you? Where were you when I told the 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 ocean it could only go this far?" 
kind of a thing. So where were you? So yeah. anyway, I think there's going to be a lot of, of, of apologizing to the Lord for questioning him uh-huh. or uh, or doing anything else. So mm-hmm. it's just it's just one of those things. Hey, by the way, for those of you in San Antonio, uh, the fact that I'm not there doesn't mean we're not going to have our evening Bible study tonight. Uh, we, Friday night's a really great night for us at our church. And uh, Pastor Nelly, who's our high school pastor, but a great Bible oh, teacher. Oh my goodness, he's so good. He's a complete goofball, but he's a great Bible yeah, teacher. Yeah. And he's so funny because he knows he can get on the rabbit trail, so he puts his study on his iPad and he sticks to it because he knows he's got time limits and he wants to get all the good juicy stuff in. <laughs> so he'll he'll. But he's such a good teacher. And I'll be listening to that study on, you know, when so we get back. I, I don't know what it'll be teaching tonight, but it'll be New Testament Bible study, and, and mm-hmm. it'll start at 7 o'clock, and child care is provided. So oh, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll, uh, they'll see you then, and I'll know you're there. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the church is there. And, you know, people don't miss church just because you're not in town, Pastor Ron. You know, the Bible gets taught there, so that's that was kind of a sarcastic kind of remark for those of you who say, oh, I'm not going because Pastor Ron's out there. Get in the car and go to church. I didn't say that. No, I said Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we also have Saturday morning prayer. Paul and I are usually there. Uh, Pastor Juan mm-hmm. will be um, be leading the Saturday morning prayer. And and one of the things, Pastor Juan, if you're listening, have everybody praying for our pilot. What time is our plane leave? 2.15. 2.15. Mm-hmm. Have everybody praying for our pilot. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be back in, in church uh, Sunday in the Gospel of Luke. And this is my last Luke study until after Easter. That's right. Because we got Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday and yeah. then Easter Sunday. And Easter Sunday, yeah. You want to say anything about Good Friday or you want to wait for another? We'll get closer. Wait till we get closer. Okay. Okay. Our problem with Good Friday is. We're, we're so crowded. We're yeah, we don't. We can't fit anybody sure. else in. So okay, it's okay, just, never mind. Don't come. Just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those things. <laughs> Paula, before we go to some questions that have been sent, do you want to uh, talk at all about the the conference? Any, what, what the Lord's doing, or what you enjoy the most about Him? Yeah, um, it's really kind of a cool thing um, because you know after the session, the, the first session, this this conference is very different. So there's one. The first session where um, one of the guys speaks, and this time it happened to be Eric Colburn, and uh, he was talking about um, those things you wish you knew before you experienced them, and and um, all these studies, are, I guess, will be online, maybe later, so you can go on and, and listen to that. But um, as a spinoff, the the next sessions are the senior pastors split off from. Uh, from the rest of the congregation, and then the senior pastors' wives or upcoming pastors' wives, senior pastors' wives, um, go to another room. So um, the two ladies who taught today, one that I've heard many times, and I never want to miss her teaching, and the other one, the second session, um, I've heard her you know, in conversation with me, but never as a speaker. And so one... Uh, is at home behind the podium because she just loves teaching God's word and encouraging women. And the other one, being behind a podium, talking at all, is the last thing (laughs) she wants to do. And yet the two of them being as different as they could be were spectacular. And so um, in the first one with Mercedes, she was uh, talking about um, the different seasons of life that we go through and the thing is that in every season uh, Jesus is the one who is with us because of course he's orchestrated all of the things and so um, to stay excited with him that even in those really wonderful blessed times um, remember him and to kind of uh, I'm trying to collect all those blessings because you will need them in that other season that sometimes seems to take a lot longer to get through when you're um, when it's difficult. And so um, but at the same time to remember that um, Jesus has orchestrated this, that you could still be fruitful in whatever season 
that you find yourself in to learn to be content in in whichever season um and that song you know we've been singing um he's he's a god of the hills and the valleys that um Jesus is with us no matter what we go through. And it was really, really, really encouraging um, to to pray for contentment and ask for rest. And that's what I've been asking um, for myself is not contentment. I'm pretty content, but for rest. And, um, and that kind of ties into the second one because the rest that I'm looking forward to is the one that you say all the time, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane, you know, and God gives us the grace to do what he's called us to do. And she used my word several times. Unique. Oh, I thought you were going to say reboot again. Well, both of them did that. Uh, (laughs) Hey, that's the end of the first half of the program. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. We've got 30 minutes left in the week. Uh, 340-9585 for your live calls and questions or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. We will be back on the other side of the break. We'll see you in two minutes. to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the program 340-9585 for your live calls and questions mary we got your text we're praying that you feel better may the lord bless you and wrap his arms around you uh, you know, Paula, on, uh, before the break, you were talking about the, 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 the teaching for the women mm-hmm. going through seasons. And I understand completely what, what's being said when we talk about, well, you know, there's a season for this, a season for that. You know, one of the things, and I've been thinking about this this weekend while we're here, is we, we're 24 years doing this. And, and we, we haven't had seasons. I mean, it's, it's been constant the same all the time. Um, there's good things and bad things that happen at different times. But it's it's been like since uh, May 31st, 1995, God just put the pedal to the metal. And, and, and there's times when he, when he makes us feel like we're slowing down and we're impatient because things aren't going fast enough. But there's been many, many more times where, where it feels like things are going so fast we're about to fall off the carousel. Um, but but I think one of the things that we Christians have, when we talk about seasons, is it, it demonstrates that we have sort of an expectation that um, things are going to be okay, then they're going to get bad, then they're going to get better. Um, and one of the things that we just heard one of the one of the pastors say was that no matter what's going on, every day serving Jesus is a privilege and an honor. Mm-hmm. And it, and it really and truly is. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, very much so. Uh, but, you know, when I'm thinking about seasons, I, I'm thinking, you know, um, you have your, your children at home, and, and that's kind of a season of, you know, you're praying for them, praying that they will love Jesus and, and, and follow him all the days of their lives. And then they grow up, some of them, and some do well, like we heard a pastor a few minutes ago say that 80% of his children are walking with the Lord doing well. Well, for him and his wife right now, they're in a season of heartbreak because that one, that 20%er isn't who used to be. And so that's kind of a season you wonder how long is that going to be? They don't know where she is, you know, and they just know that she's in when she left, she was involved in some bad stuff. And so that's a season of crying out to the Lord day and night. Where is she? What, bring her back. You know, that that kind of a season. Um, there's a season when you get a bad report from the doctor, um, you know, because we kind of do have that expectation. You know, I'm a Christian, kind of like Reuben of Seguin. He's been going through so much for so long. You know, we're Christians. And I remember... Um, you know, back in California when I was having really bad allergies and could hardly talk. And this lady telling me that there must be some sin in my life, yeah. you know. 
there's a season right there of I didn't I wanted to punch her in the face. Yeah, I wanted to punch her. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to think, you know, Lord, I've been doing everything um, for your kingdom, for your glory. I'm, I'm praying, I'm, I'm serving, I'm doing this, and now I get this bad report, you know. Oh, man. Are you going to heal me? How long is this going to be? That kind of season. Reuben brought up Job. You know, yeah. he, he didn't deserve anything to happen, and, and everything seemed to happen all at once. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those seasons. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the phones and talk with David from San Antonio on line one. David, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron, and hello, Sister Paula. Hi, David. Hi, David. How are you? I am just wonderful. You know, uh, I never get a chance to call on Thursdays, and I get to hear both of you guys speak on Thursdays. And uh, you don't know how it sounds to be out here and listen to y'all. You can tell what kind of people you are separately and what kind of people you are together. And it's it's totally a blessing. So I'm happy that uh, you're there today, and I get to say hi to you today. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. So, Pastor so Ron, um, a few weeks ago... Um, Someone made contact with you and said that they had a friend that uh, said we should only call God Jehovah and that they we should only write God's name. I don't know if I said that exactly, but uh, G, G-D. And yeah. um, you, you made the comment to that, that those are people that don't know God and uh, kind of went on in, in, in that vein, if you will. Um, I want to share something with you to maybe change your mind a little bit about that. Um, okay. I attended a Jewish congregation, a Jewish Messianic congregation for a number of years. And one thing I, I realized by going to that type of uh, church is that um, in the Christian church, we lost a lot of reverence for God. And um, I know God in a way where he is God Almighty, where the angels around his throne and all they can say is holy 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 i know that we can't approach god in certain ways only because of his holiness but i also know that the cross provided a way for us to crawl on his lap and him to be our father i've gotten into a closet many times and i don't mean an actual closet but a closet and just been able to be one-on-one with god where i can just let it all out and know that he's listening and he cares and he's got his arms around me. I know that if there's times where I've gotten upset with him that I really need to come back and just say, Lord, I know you know me, but I apologize because you are God. And who am I? You know, I use in my text a lot to lots of people. I use capital G dash D. And I, I will tell you that I have an aunt that has been in the Catholic Church forever, and um, she's in Chicago, and I text her back and forth, and she asked me one day, why do you spell God's name that way? And I explained to her about how holy God is and how his, we should have reverence for him and so on. Do you know that that witnessed to her so much that she said, you know, I never hear that in church. I'm always hearing about uh, Mary, the Virgin Mary. I'm always hearing about saint this and saint that she said but i never considered god and i never really even considered him in that vein it also has opened um a door to witness to my dad uh, about god because he's learned god as being a god that walks around with a big heavy sandal and is going to squish you every time you make a stand <laughs> you better you know go and do your go and do your rosary and so on I come from a heavy Catholic family. Um, So anyway, it's given me lots of opportunity to really present God in a different way. So I I just wanted you to consider that. I I love my my father, and um, it it was not to criticize you, just just to give you something else to think about that, uh, you know, in using that as a tool. Thank you, David. I appreciate it very, very much. God bless you, man. You know, I, I don't disagree with the thing that David said. Uh, his heart uh, is clear before the Lord. One thing I do want to clear up, just based on his short summary of our, my earlier conversation, um, um, when I said the, the, the people that write like that or communicate like that with God or or communicate about God with others, uh, that they don't know God, I didn't mean they weren't saved. I, I want I want everybody to understand that. But what I mean is they 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 they've, they've missed the intimacy. 
Um, and this is a, an important distinction to make. And I'm thrilled, David, that God uh, opened up a door to minister to your Catholic family members um, this way. And God will use everything. God is sovereign. God will, will use anything and everything. But, but it's so important that we remember um, that real reverence, if we want to demonstrate the holiness of God, we don't do it with a G-D. We do it with obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice, Samuel told King Saul. And um, if we really, really want to let our light shine, and that's the purpose of New Testament Christians, then what we need to do is be obedient to the Lord. Walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. As you've heard me say in this program many times, David, just be with Jesus. That's the way we demonstrate reverence for the holiness of God. There's one other thing that I don't want any New Testament Christian to miss. To miss. We're told, when, when the angel Gabriel appeared, he said, and you shall give him the name Jesus. He didn't say the name Jehovah. He didn't say Yahweh. We were doing a worship song last night, and I was mm-hmm. sort of half getting irritated in it because we shout Yahweh, Yahweh, we shout Yahweh, Yahweh. New Testament Christians don't think. We shout Jesus. Mm-hmm. We shout Jesus. It's the name above all names. And it's sort of like an exclamation point on all of the Bible. And so when we want to, to, we're demonstrating we revere God or we have a healthy fear of God. Those are wonderful things, David, and you clearly have them. But the way to do that is to shout from the rooftops the name Jesus. That's the name. That's the, 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 the only way that we can approach God who lives in unapproachable light. I, I think about that New Testament verse, and it amazes me. We can approach the God who lives in unapproachable light because of the name of Jesus, because of the work of Jesus. So um, I, I just think it's, it's a little almost contrived to demonstrate the holiness of God and the healthy fear of God by abbreviating a name or using an Old Testament name that's really the unknown name instead of using the name Jesus. Who sent you? I am. You say, I am sent you. Well, what's that mean? I am that I am. Well, that's Jesus, the ever-present help in time of trouble. So, David, um, again, I am thrilled. I'm absolutely thrilled that you love the Lord as you do. Thank you for calling in. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. You want to comment on that? You know, I've, I've sometimes, Paula, you know, it makes me kind of go, ooh, people will come up and call me Pastor Arbaugh. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes they'll come and call me Reverend Arbaugh. <laughs> and and I just kind of record that, no, 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 my name is Ron. Uh-huh. You can call me Ron, you can call me Pastor, you can call me Pastor Ron, but don't call me Pastor Arbaugh, don't call me Reverend Arbaugh. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I, I just think sometimes we work way, way too hard on on trying to demonstrate that we have a fear of God, that we we recognize the the absolute holiness of God, uh, and yet there's still too many places in our life where we're not being obedient. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I want to declare the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. Yeah. Shout it from the rooftop. You do that well, Pastor Ron. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I love how you answer the questions, too, with lots of grace, but still with um, instruction. <laughs> 340-9585. Let's go to a question that was sent in from, I think, Robert from our email inbox. It says, in the early days of the church, Paul mentions that believers in Jesus were meeting on the Sabbath. When did the world's Christians start gathering and worshiping on the first day of the week? Where does it say in Scripture that man can start worshiping on the first day of the week? Um, Robert, Paul mentions that believers in Jesus were meeting on the Sabbath, but obviously the context in the early book of Acts is that the church was entirely Jewish. And um, they were keeping the religious traditions of their fathers. The Sabbath was the day to worship God, Saturday or the seventh day. 
Um, but but what what happens later is is the, the clear description of worshiping on the first day of the week, which was to honor and to memorialize the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it was the early church. And remember, these are writings inspired by God. And so what he's saying is, look, we worship on the first day of the church because the resurrection is what we celebrate. The resurrection is what gives us life. If Jesus would have died and he didn't raise from the dead, then we'd all be lost in our sins. So um, Paul only mentions, now Paul would go to Jews at the synagogue, and he wasn't going after Christians. He was going to Jews. The gospel would go to Jews first. He was going to Jews and to convert them. Well, where did he find a bunch of Jews? He found a meeting in the synagogue. Uh, In smaller places, he'd find a meeting at the river on the Sabbath, and then he would set them free. So it's, it's, it's not a, a matter of, well, when did the world decide to do it? Um, it was in the first century church where the first day of the week became sort of the, the symbol of resurrection, the symbol of new life in Jesus Christ. So I hope that helps, Robert. And the, the, the whys and the whens aren't as important as what is clearly stated in Scripture. And the, the New Testament church's tradition has been from the beginning to meet on the first day of the week and not the second. Mm. Here's a question from Emil. I don't know if this is our Emil, but I see I the name. I only know one. Yeah. I only know one. I, I, I bet you. What is the major way that I, as a man, can be sure to lead my family in their walk with the Lord? I don't want to fail in this responsibility. Well, I don't think this is our Emil, Paula, because he's doing a good job mm-hmm. of leading his family in mm-hmm. Precious Connie. Um, uh, Emil, there, there's, there's a whole bunch of ways. First and foremost is you be filled with the Spirit of God. And by that, I mean just be with Jesus. You know, I love in the first century church, Paula, when they were being accused by, by the religious leaders. Don't you preach in this name? Mm-hmm. And yet all the people were following them. And, and they said, well, why would people follow you? You're ordinary, unschooled, um, sort of backwoods type people. And yet everybody's listening to them. And the answer was, but they could tell that these men have been with Jesus. Have been with Jesus. Yes. So I, I think that's the first way. And, and for all of you, not just Emil, but for all of you, men, you who have families... The most important thing you can do is to love Jesus and walk with Jesus and set a good example. So often our kids go off to college, they go out into the work world, they go into the military, and they think, well, you know, my dad's Jesus was not all that because my home life was miserable and painful. Um, If you're with Jesus, you're going to be a a happy man, you're going to be a satisfied man, you're going to be an abundant man, and by that I mean the, the, the... presence of the Lord will come pouring from you through every pore and everybody will know that you've been with Jesus and then they're going to benefit from that. If your family doesn't benefit from you being a Christian there's something wrong with your Christianity. So obviously that's the most important thing. The second thing of course to be a man of the word and share your word with your family um, to pray for them to pray with them and then to remember what David was trying to tell us in the last phone call that um, God is holy. And so in our house, we serve the Lord. In our house, we're going to walk after holiness. And if we can do that, I believe, uh, I promise you rather, Emil, that your Christianity is going to be super, super contagious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think so, too. Um, It's so cute because he's really concerned with this. And the one thing, uh, too, yes, set the example, but... Unfortunately, um, like the man I was talking about a few minutes ago, the pastor, um, we can't make our families Christians, but we don't want to be responsible by the way we live our lives that they reject Jesus because of the way we've misrepresented the Lord, if I I can say that. So um, I love this question because that's a, a man with a heart that truly wants to hear well done, that good and faithful servant. Love it. Okay, let's go to a question from Kelly. I like this question, Kelly. It says, what is dispensationalism, and is it a false teaching? 
Uh, dispensationalism, Kelly, is nothing more than a theological word to describe the different ways God works with people throughout different times in history. A dispensation is God communicating with man. I'll give you an example. With, with uh, Abram, he spoke to God audibly. And and uh, it, it was a dispensation of 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 Abraham. We know him as Abraham, walking by faith. God talked to him one on one. Then then when when Moses came along, God talked with people of the law. It was a dispensation of the law, and that was the way God communicated with them. Now there's a dispensation change um, after Moses that that a lot of people miss. Um, when uh, Joshua was taking over for Moses in chapter one of of the yeah. book of Joshua, um, Joshua. Now, who would who would ever Paula want to follow Moses? I know. I mean, still the most revered <laughs> Jew in in the history of Judaism. Yeah. Um, the the man that led millions, the man who parted the Red Sea. I mean, you talk about a tough act to follow. Oh my goodness! And when when. God told Joshua. Now remember, Joshua was an old man, mm-hmm. and God says, "Okay, you're the next guy." Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and he says, "I can't do this. Why would you do this?" And God basically shut him up by saying, "Look, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is, is dead. dead. Yeah. So <laughs> no grieving, no anything. He's dead. We're moving on." Yeah. And and then God told him, "Do not let my word depart from your mouth." Mm-hmm. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. But keep my word everywhere. And so that was a, a new dispensation. Now we can go all the way down to the time that we live in, Kelly. And we live in the dispensation of grace, where God's unmerited favor to the infinitely all-deserving is the way that we can approach God. It's the way that we can hear his voice. It's certainly the way we have access to heaven. Um, so there's different dispensations. Now, there are some false teaching dispensationalists. By that, I mean they are over-the-top dispensationalists. They get really, really absurd. In, and they'll find seven or eight different dispensations just in the book of Acts. That's nonsense. And excess is always unhealthy, Kelly. But uh, dispensationalism is the only way that we can understand God's word. If we have to take it in context, and taking something in context is finding out to whom God was speaking, what was the point of what he was saying, and how did they respond to it. The only way we can do that is if we know who God is talking to. And so many Christians will take the promises God made to Israel and claim them for themselves. And they miss completely the context. So um, dispensationalism is just a distinction between the church and Israel. Um, and it's the only way that we can make sense out of a literal interpretation of the Bible, which is what we need to do. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. How are we doing on time? Mm-hmm. Four minutes. Here's a question from Nacho from our mobile app. Is there ministry going on when you are your past, when you're at your pastor's conference, or is it a time of refreshing and rest? Uh, not y'all that Paula answer uh, in a moment. But let me tell you, I don't get refreshing and rest when I come to these things. So uh, we're constantly there's meetings. I'm part of the the uh, leadership of the, the the Calvary Chapel Association, and so we're meeting and we're talking about things, and and we feel like it's our responsibility to minister to people. So we're not really getting some rest and Paula you know I don't sleep well in any bed but my own yeah, I know and that's only when you're in it mm-hmm. so so <laughs> rest isn't something that we do uh, I'll get rest Sunday when we come home from church mm-hmm. and sit in the chair and turn on the masters yeah. or no it's not the masters this week but turn on some golf and that puts us to sleep right away oh yeah for sure so we'll get some rest mm-hmm. so for me because I'm not the pastor praise God that he put that in there uh, because so I don't I don't have necessarily meetings, but it's it's a lot different for me because uh, pretty much every time we go out to dinner or we go to someone's house, it's not a time of necessarily refreshing or rest for you. It's pretty much always counseling. You're you're always on, but for me at these conferences, no, I don't get a lot of rest um, in the hotels because there are two. 
I'm in a strange place, and, you know, I'm worried about if he gets up in the middle of the night, did I move that chair over far enough, or is that, you know, is there a light on in the restroom so you can know which door, because everything is opposite from our house, um, so no rest there necessarily, but it is a time of refreshing for me because um, I get to sit and hear, you know, I came with a couple of questions, and the Lord is answering, um, and so I'm ready to go back home kind of a, a little different you know i mean even i'm on this radio program today um not feeling any compulsion at all um just i'm um, just to get to be here i have a gift of encouragement and i get to use my gifting um without worrying about what i'm gonna say or anything like that it's yeah. it's really kind of it's a time of refreshing for me and the mm-hmm. fellowship of course is amazing i love seeing um these ladies every time and the pastors as well those who are who have started well and really have a desire to finish well it's fun to be around them this is like-minded guys who really do get being uh the pastor one was one was saying that uh, getting up and teaching the bible is the easy part all the other stuff that goes with it you know um the counseling uh the pain. The pain, yeah, pretty much all of them. The expectations that they had, which is what I, I, I struggled with. You know, I, I expect unbelievers. Yeah. To, yeah, you know, Paul, you're, weird, you're unique. I've not met anybody like that's you. That's my word. Where, where um, you, you, it's, like, it's like you're a cell phone getting charged when you're around people. Mm-hmm. And, and it's different. That's a, that's a unique gift that the Lord has given you. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate the many phone calls today. You've been listening to The Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Now, we're all going to church. It's Communion Sunday at Calvary Chapel. And for a lot of your churches, honor the Lord. Be there to serve and bless somebody. God bless you. We'll see you on Monday. Bye. Calvary Chapel, San Antonio. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.